everyone, welcome to Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the stories of our favorite video games and also the occasional movies and TV shows. Tactics games have always been a soft spot for us here at Sorechomp, as each one of us can count one or two tactics games amongst our all-time favorites. It's no surprise that when Triangle Strategy, the newest game from Art Dink and Square Enix, was announced, we all salivated at the chance to play it. After pouring hours upon hours into it, we are finally ready to sit down and discuss this brilliant game. Let me introduce you to the people that will be chatting today. First, I am joined by Rich Meister, a man who told me a story of when he heard that this game was announced. He remembered a time when he was in high school studying geometry. He had been studying for days for his final examination of the year. The weekend before the exam, he joined his parents for a family gathering. There happened to be a karaoke box, which his family members took turns with. He selected his favorite song, but as the lyrics began to appear on the screen, something happened in his brain. Because his brain was filled with geometry, the words out of his mouth weren't the actual lyrics. His family members were perplexed as they heard Rich sing, Scalene, 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 Scalene. I'm begging of you, don't measure my sides. Scalene, 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 Scalene. The degree of angles are a guide. From that day on, he has never sang karaoke. Rich, how are you doing today, buddy? How long did it take you to write a geometry song? It took me to the one tune minute. of Jolene. One minute. <laughs> I was the- gonna. You threw my story. I was gonna just throw you in with some counter corrections. I go some corrections for that story. Um, the song was a Cruel Angels thesis, and it wasn't my family. It was a group of Korean tourists. Well, you know. I, I pre-planned for any possible corrections that you were going to try and make to your story. I figured I'd stick to the original. You gave too many details just to make it unchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. that song. Yeah. I yeah. Dude, I, I, like, I got to be honest with you. I was writing that song and I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucking proud of this. You're like, oh no shit, one's gonna this see slaps. <laughs> I actually hate that song, truth be told. The triangle um, version or the actual uh, song? Both. I have no strong feelings about the song Jolene. Yeah, I, there's just this period in my life where I had to hear it almost every day, every week, and it's just one of those ones. Does force upon me. But how you doing, man? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Are you ready to talk some strategy of the triangle variety? I am. I am. Um, I'm ready to talk about some video games uh, and then some other stuff after. Yeah. 
I mean, so you're kind of removed from this game. I mean, it's been almost like a month and a month and a half since you've beaten it. It feels like two years ago. It, yeah, it kind of does in a way. Like the month of March feels like a fucking blur of something that just didn't exist. Yeah, that didn't happen. Not really. But do you feel like you are still like fresh enough in the mind that? you can talk about this game we'll see we'll see how it goes there's some details that still stick out there's some characters i really like i like that game um but you know what's so crazy is like the beginning of this year video game wise has been fucking insane like i've been keeping a running like what would be my top 10 list if we had to do it right now Mm. and i'm pretty sure this is still on there but like i keep getting like i'm playing something right now that i can't talk about at all that i am in fucking in love with yeah, I can't wait to hear your thoughts about that. You'll be well. I mean, you could technically hear them whenever, but you'll hear them in depth soon. So, in depth, I'll hear them in depth. That's a weird, ominous thing to say to someone, isn't it? You'll hear about it in depth later. I'm sorry, in depth. No, and in then death. I just stab you <laughs> for the Dark Brotherhood. I always just kill people who are asleep in the inn, as you should. The Night Mother then comes and rewards me. As she should. Yeah. I'm her As faithful servant. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here, buddy. Uh, knife and all. And I am your host, Shay, whose strategies for winning battles are, uh, as some would say, obtuse. Like a triangle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, these intros have nothing to do with strategy, just everything to do with triangles. You had no good strategy bits. <laughs> You're really leaning hard on the triangle part of it. Yeah, it's rare that I get to make triangle puns, so I figured, you know what? I'm going to swing for the fences. Sure, man. You do you. Yeah. I was trying I was trying to think of a way I could make a, a joke about triangles and baseball at the same time, but I just couldn't figure out the correct angle to get that joke in. Naturally. I mean, you did what you had to do. I fit one in there, and you missed it. I, yeah. I said, I said something about angles. Oh, God, the triangles. Man. You know, it's another <laughs> another thing about this fucking game. Like, when they did it with Octopath Traveler the first time, it was like, oh, they're really just going to call it that. And then, like, we just knew it this time, when they were like, Project Triangle Strategy. And I'm like, they're never going to come up with a name. They're just going to fucking call it this bullshit. The only, like, we'll have to talk about it later, because that's actually something that... I, I didn't even think about till now. There's only one pos- possible situation where I could see why they called it triangle strategy. So we'll have to talk about that later towards the back end. Well, I think it's, the, it's supposed to be the three kingdoms. I think that's a bit. Okay, so there are two things. I think, yeah, that one, that is the big part of it. Yeah. yeah. There's a second reason why as well. But we'll delve into that later. I like the I guys who sound like they're a team of Sentai superheroes. The Saintly Seven. <laughs> The Saintly Seven Ensemble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so from this point on, there will be spoilers. If you are concerned with getting spoiled on the game, please go play it and come back to listen when you have completed it. We'll see it's you in really 90 long... hours. <laughs> right, exactly. It's a really long game, so be prepared. But now, turn the lights down low, slip into something more comfortable, choose your favorite party members, and sip on an exquisitely flavored beverage as we tell you a tale by the fireplace. 
The game starts out telling the player about the three kingdoms, Glenbrook, the trade nation, Esfrost, the icy nation who mines iron, and Hyzanth, the religious desert nation that harvests salt. Years prior, the salt-iron war was fought by all three nations looking to control all of the resources. After much bloodshed, the nations brokered a peace agreement. Thirty years after the salt-iron war, the three nations plan to sign an official peace treaty. Esfrost sends Frederica to Glenbrook to marry Sarah Noah to unite the two nations. Glenbrook and Esfrost agree to share the newly discovered Grand Norzellian mine in a further effort to improve relations between the two countries. However, as Sarah Noah inspects the mines with Gustadolf's cousin Dragon, and Gustadolf is the leader of Esfrost, forgot to write that in the notes. He looks like Assa- Alucard. Exactly. Assassins attack and kill Dragon. Gustadolf then accuses Glenbrook of murdering Dragon, using his death as a pretext to stage a punitive campaign against Glenbrook and invading its capital. So, the art in this game is fantastic for many reasons, and this is where I want to start. It's nostalgic for many people, and there's a level of detail not often found in retro-looking games. But, the most easily overlooked yet most important aspect of the art direction is how it foreshadows and represents certain themes. When you see certain characters in their sprite work and their character artwork, you get a sense of who the good and bad guys are pretty quickly. Pair that with the colors that represent each nation, such as red for Esfrost, blue for Hyzanth, while Glenbrook is given a duller yellow, you can see how integral the art direction is to the story. So, Rich, I think it's fair to say that it's not too often that we notice when the art direction is intertwined with the narrative. So how important was this aspect for you when you were playing through the game? Um, Here's something to consider is... Stuff like that is important, particularly in tactics games. I think it was more important in older tactics games uh, when there wasn't a lot of work you could do to differentiate sprites. But this game kind of keeps up that tradition where you can sort of tell where a character's allegiances lie by the colors they're grabbed in and, like, the... The muted, Like, you you go to all three of these nations at different points in the game and you'll see the same use of, like... (laughs) Uh, that that sort of like almost babyish blue and Hyzant, the deep deep blood red and S Frost, and like that sort of muted yellowish green in Glenbrook. Like you can tell where a character is from by looking at, at them, and I don't mean that in terms of like skin color or complexion or anything like that. Just in terms of the colors they dress in and the style they dress in. Yeah, I mean that's such a big thing that I didn't notice. Like, or I didn't really think about upon most of my playthrough but towards the back end of it i was like wait i I finally started noticing the colors which was is is super important because it does do a lot of uh foreshadowing earlier in the game even if i noticed it a little bit too late but the other thing that's really cool that i noticed pretty quickly is you can when you are talking to a character you can press i believe it's the x button on the switch controller i might be wrong there on the exact button but um you can press the button and it will bring up the character artwork and it'll give a little bio about the character. And it shows this kind of alternate artwork for each character, which goes in a little bit more detail. It's more hand-drawn. And you can tell Detailed almost immediately. Detailed character portraits, yeah. That, yes. Uh, 
they're not quite um but it's like almost of the same ilk i was gonna say like a mono-esque artwork like it's not anything quite that nice but it's right. very it's very nice artwork it, it is very nice but when you look at some of these characters early on you can kind of tell like this guy's gonna be kind of a shysty motherfucker or you can tell like this chick's just you know a jerk but like she's not gonna do well, any as real i harm. said the leader of astros literally just looks like fucking alucard like i in my review notes i have the, the book somewhere when i was reviewing this game i wrote some really telling grabs i think just to have it where i was like Gren glenbrook is like the european like good guy motif like clear we're going for these are the noble heroes uh Hyzant is the nation of like religious zealot nut jobs and s frost is a nation of draculas yeah yeah i mean that's that's largely what it is and um I'm forgetting Frederica's people. What what are their names? Um, God, I feel like an asshole for not remembering this, but they are from uh, the, something the, cell, like not my cell, but I'm I'm going to Google this so I can uh, be sure. Yeah, yeah. I but like even their their hair is pink, pink which makes them stand out so much. And I, you know, like that's one of the things I never figured out is at first is why why is why are their hair pink or why is their hair pink excuse me but it is like their defining trait I but, am but when you get further in the game it makes more sense uh the roselle by the way that's their they're the roselle Roselin. yeah the roselle yeah yeah yes but she... it makes more sense when you get further in the story why their hair is pink and yeah, no, foresh the, a more foreshadowing. These things are all explained. And Frederica is an interesting character because she's sort of almost detested by her own people. But she she is the daughter of Zygmunt S. Ross, uh, who was the previous Archduke of S. Ross. But her mother was basically his Rosellan concubine. Yeah. Uh, so she was like nobody as far as social standing goes. But she was everything to the Rosellan people, as we'll learn here a little bit later. Yes. So it's it's just it's. I respect the fact that they took so much time to kind of build these characters up and the, the lore behind it so much so that even the colors and the artwork play a significant part into the story. And this game does take its time. Like, the tick <laughs> we just went through is like fucking four or five hours of gameplay. At least. Um, but... Like, and that it's kind of a slow start. I even mentioned that when I wrote the review for this game that's on the website, but everything pays off really well. And I think it, it earns what it's trying to do. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, and that's something that, yeah, I, I think we'll talk about a little bit later. I set up a question for that, but that's one of the things I struggled with this game pretty early on is just, I, I love and I respect how much it was trying to set up, but at the same time, it was difficult for me to get past that stuff, you know, sure. um, early on. But sure, we'll focus on that more later. I wanted to kind of focus more on the artwork and just the attention to detail and how it seemed like everything that was chosen was for a purpose. It wasn't like, ah, you know, we have yellow and red. Let's just go with blue with these guys. There's a purpose for everything. So I really appreciated that. Um, that that much attention to detail even went into the artwork yeah so 
All right, let's jump back in the story. Saranoa and his party are too late to stop Gustadolf from killing King Regna and Prince Frani and capturing Princess Cordelia, leaving Roland as the sole heir to Glenbrook's throne. Determined to bring all of Glenbrook to heel, Gustadolf gives Saranoa an ultimatum. Hand over Roland to him or face annihilation at the hands of his army. This represents the first of many choices. Saranoa must make, including deciding on whether to enlist the aid of Hyzant to resist Esfrost or collaborate with Esfrost to repel an attempted invasion from Hyzant. So, Rich, which choice did you make here and why? Um, I did not want to give him up. That was mm. not going to happen. That's not the mm. way. A homeboy don't play like that. Um, also at this point and for most of this game, he's probably the character I like the most. So, yeah, I, yeah, he was definitely the character I was like the most attached to. And I think, you know, like looking back now, as we're discussing it, I 100% think that was intentional because it makes this decision so much harder. Like if you, if you think about it, I mean, this is something that we haven't really talked about up to this point. Frederica and Saranoa are not really interesting at this point. Um, you have like you empathize with Frederica because she has some family members who are very rude to her. Um, but her as a character herself is not that interesting. So most of the people from Esfrost, you're not really like, you're not feeling one way or the other. Saranoa mm-hmm. is at this point just. An avatar, essentially. You don't really lack- know. Like, he seems, like, too agreeable is almost how I put it. Like, he seems, like, deliberately completely inoffensive. And you learn more about, like, his values and stuff as you go on. And I think Saranoa is a great character. I just don't think he shines through that much in the early hours of this game. Well, the, yeah, and that's exactly my point. And then pretty much, you know, Benedict, his advisor, he's probably the only other character with a decent amount of character depth and development at this point in the game so you have all these characters that don't have a lot of depth except roland and so when it comes to this decision of having to give up roland that's what makes it that much harder because the game has i mean truth truthfully kind of manipulated you to think this is the most interesting character in the game this is the one with the most depth why would i want to give this character up and that's what makes this decision so much more difficult Plus, if they take him, do they get his horse? What happens there? Do they wear a condom when they take him? I'm do going they to ask enter for you. consent. <laughs> no, With I uh, gusto. No, that's Gustadoff. Sorry, you can mix oh, up those names pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I was in the same exact boat as you. I was like, "There's no fucking way I'm giving up Roland," so I went to Hyzant. Yeah. Which. I like I don't regret at all. No. No. But I was like, yeah, there's no fucking way I'm giving up Roland. I go talk to the weird conehead guy in Hyzant. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Actually I might be thinking about that wrong. I think I I didn't have a choice and I had to give him up. Now that I think about it. I didn't know that was possible. I don't I don't think I had enough That's right. I I'm oh, you sorry. couldn't convince them. That's what happened. I really did not want to give him up. I couldn't convince the people, and so he gave himself up. 
Oh, I convinced then, them pretty easily to not give him up. Yeah, well, I didn't like uh there there are three like three different uh I don't know what they are, pillars Mor- mor- moral convictions convictions thank you that's the one yeah. i was looking for there are three different convictions that kind of determine whether you can convince characters and i don't think i had enough built up in the one to allow me to keep roland and go to s frost so i ended up teaming up with uh with uh or sorry hyzant so i ended up teaming up with s frost at huh. first yeah yeah, well, that that's a, a fleeting decision, is my understanding. Is just think, things turn around either way. Um, mm. It just kind of affects how that battle goes. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's interesting what ends up happening too, because he ends up escaping in in a way. Um, I don't know if you watch this, but basically, what ends up happening is him and his sister um, are kind of like you know palling together, and then he works out a plan um to basically fake his own death well that happens either way oh that's true yeah um even if roland stays like his his sister isn't involved in the decision making or anything at that point but Mm. it essentially goes down a path this is what i experience where they realize you're never going to stop Esros is never going to stop pursuing you because of roland so you all conspire to fake roland's death that's I didn't realize that was in both. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I I I enjoyed this decision. It was it was one that was a little bit hard, but not too hard. It was like, yeah, I don't want to give him up and mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's fair. So we took different routes. But ended up in the same place. But ended up in the same exact place. Well not same exact, but um yeah, well, let's jump back in the story then. Eventually, Saranoa and his party are able to drive Esfrost from Glenbrook, and he, Roland, Frederica, and Benedict go about trying to rebuild the kingdom. However, Roland is met with the cruel reality of being king as he executes many of his own nobles for misappropriating reconstruction funds. Saranoa's father, Simon, manages to recover from his illness and reveals to him that he is actually King Regna's illegitimate son who is secretly adopted by the Wolfort family to cover up the scandal. So, Rich, I really love this segment of the game because it highlights how well-written the characters are in this game. Whether it's Svarog, the father of Dragon and number two leader of Esfrost who helps Glenbrook, Exharm, the religious crusader of Hyzant, or the cast of characters you lead to fight for the three nations, each character has been carefully crafted and woven with heaps of development. So my question is, I mean, you talked about Roland as being one of your favorites, but what was one of your favorite characters and one of your favorite character moments? Hmm. That's an absolutely wonderful question. Um, Thank you. It's hard to pin like a moment on this, so I'm going to I'm going to tell you one of my favorite characters, and then my favorite character moment is going to be for Roland. Um, I'm okay with that. Yeah, if if, if we're comfortable uh, splitting that sort of stuff up, I hesitate to remember his name now, so this is going to annoy the shit out. Oh no, I think I do remember it. Uh, there's a character I recruited at one point named Donald. I don't know if you got him. 
No, I don't, unfortunately. He's one of my favorites. He is a, a young uh, magician, and basically his character arc is like, he shows up, and uh, he's like, hey, uh, my grandfather is the famous wizard, blah, blah, and I'm like, I'm trying to fill his legacy, so obviously you'll want me to join, and everybody's like, I've never heard of that person. <laughs> Wait, what's his name? Donald, I believe. I don't think his name is Donald, because I got that guy in the party, too. But his name wasn't Donald. Maybe I'm conflating him with someone else. Yeah, I believe that guy's name is... Uh... God, now I feel like... There's so many characters and I keep forgetting. Um, Narv. Narv. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Because that's what Narv is. I mean, huh. there's a guy named... There's a guy named... Uh, I see Narv on there. I guess that is Narv. I'm going to... I'm going to look up a picture of Narv. I don't know how you went from Donald to Narv. Uh, you know who I'm probably conflating him with? Yep, that is Narv. What the fuck kind of name is Narv? Um, I think <laughs> I'm conflating him with uh, one of my favorite recruiter characters from one of the 3DS Fire Emblem games, who was mm. like this farmer named Donald, who you could turn into like this like fucking badass spearsman. Um, yeah, I could see how those two could be con confused together yeah but uh anyway yeah i just thought like he's a he's a cool character um who with like an interesting i like this sort of weird idea of him like i need to live up to this legacy that nobody's ever fucking heard of or gives a shit about yeah it's it's cool but they end up paying that off in a weird way yeah. too because like you do the character stories which are optional and it's basically more character development and there comes a point where he ends up rescuing somebody and then they're and then they're like, you remind me like of this wizard. And he's like, oh, you've heard of my grandfather? And it's like, yeah. finally. Finally, he gets recognition. Um, and as far as my favorite moment, we talked a little bit about Roland faking his death earlier. Mm. Um, I really like Roland's like growth in that moment where basically as you were escaping the castle earlier and we kind of glossed over this point, Roland's like mentor and like this legendary swordsman of the kingdom sacrifices himself uh in order for them to escape and roland takes on his identity um and basically pretends to be him in order to hide amongst serenoa's troops and just like for one lead that character's legacy on but also be like this intimidating figure to the enemy forces who are genuinely afraid of that person mm. that's yeah and he gets a cool sprite change because he starts wearing that guy's hat yeah which is yeah really really cool um I think, you know, I liked a lot of the characters for very different reasons. I really liked, um... Narv? <laughs> Narv! I'm Narv! Like, he sounds I'm like... Nar that's like... He, he sounds like he's Schnarf from the name? Thundercats. I'm Narv! Uh, Benedict. I ended up really liking Benedict over time. Um, he's kind of like this vassal of Saranoa and of glenbrook um he he's like this this under underappreciated uh protector of the Woolfort family and he's been there and he has this sworn duty but what i like about the character where most games i think kind of fall flat is like usually when they have this type of character he's like paragon and he's always the voice of conscience and reason but there are moments where this game and the writers uh hats off to them make benedict kind of a 
a, a selfish person at times because he thinks he's doing what's best and you can't agree, disagree with it because it's a different type of moral compass for each character. And so you have Benedict trying to make certain decisions, which he thinks will benefit the nation. And sometimes it goes directly against your own, you as the player, your own moral compass, but you can't say he's wrong or he's a bad guy. He's just making a different choice. And I really like that because like it even goes so far as to say sometimes like, Benedict is like, no, this is the right choice, and I'm willing to stake my life on it. I'm willing to stake my like my professional um, respect from like Sarano and everybody else in the party. He's saying like, I will put everything I am into this decision because I know it's the right one, almost to a point of selfishness. And I just I love the writing that allows for a character who's supposed to in essence, be the paragon, the the voice of reason and conscience, to even have that kind of character flaw, yet still be considered the voice of reason and conscience. Um, I think it's brilliant writing, and I, I love the fact that, like, he is this goodly character who isn't perfect, and it's acknowledged in the game. So I think that's why he really stood out for me. Because, like, you look at someone like Captain Picard, on Star Trek, and he's very much the same thing. He's kind of like this paragon, but he also is imperfect. He's not infallible, yeah, which is, and as, as you said, like, Benedict is one of those characters, and I, there's like two or three characters that sometimes get painted this way when you were doing these segments with the scales of conviction in this game where you need to convince your party members of your cause and vote on what decision you're going to make next. And a lot of the time you'd go up to Benedict on something and you'd get a message that says, like, talking to Benedict is going to be like talking to a brick wall, basically telling you, like, it's going to be next to near impossible to change his mind on this matter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love those moments. Like, they're even fun smashing your head against the wall because it's like, I'm going to do everything in my power to try and convince you otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked him as a character. I would say one of my favorite moments in the game because there are a lot of really good moments in this game. I really like the part where uh, Svarug, who's the second in command at S. Frost and the father of the deceased dragon, finally, like... Because he's being manipulated through a lot of this game. Even Glenbrook manipulates him in some ways. Um, you know, because it it's more of like an agreement, but there is a slight level of manipulation there. There's deceit. M there is a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I like the part where he finally is like able to break free of Gustadoff's chains and you're fighting you're fighting Gustadoff at the end of the game, towards the end of the game, and this is dependent on which route you take. Then he ends up breaking out of his chains and end up coming to help you at the end. Mm. And I, I love that moment. It was yeah, so cool. That's that, that, that's a cool bit to sort of have this like characters revered as like something of a legendary soldier on your side too. Mm. Yeah. Cause like he rolls in and uh, you know, it was funny. I, I had to do that battle twice where the first time I just kind of, I just, like, this was kind of what ended up happening with those really difficult fights. I would kind of just, like, thrust myself into the fight with zero strategy to kind of see what the the enemy characters would do and what their kind of strategy was. So the second time, after I died the first time, I would have, like, a clear strategy. Like, okay, this is what they're going to do. 
sometimes it makes sense to get an idea of what their opening moves are going to be and how you can position yourself and be ready yeah. for it. Right. So I actually had a fun, like, uh, the last battle, there's the big doorway that leads into Esfrost, um, the the capital city. So I had to funnel him out of the door because the like right next to the door is this like scalable mountain, and that's the way that um, Svara comes. He comes from behind the map instead of forward, and so I let all my characters kind of up that mountain and just use range characters until Svara got in a range, and then we all went down together and. Um, it was just a cool moment. Yeah. Of the triangle variety. Whoa! That's the name of the game! Weird how I made that work. fucking bananas. Yeah. But no, there are a lot of cool characters in this game. Um, one of the things that I had talked about when you were gone, Rich, actually, the week that you were at PAX, is one of the things I really appreciated about this game is that when you take which we'll talk about later, there's a there's a certain path that you take that will, if you take it, it will force you to use every character you've managed to get into your party. And I really like that because there were characters that I was curious about that I didn't use in the game because I ended up, you know, building up the levels of certain ones and I ended up getting used to their strategy. But then the game was like, no, you're going to have to use every single one. And the way the characters are designed, that each one's ability really stands out from every other character's, and that plays so much into their story and so much into their um, their kind of lore in the world. So I just, I like, just, again, hats off to the creators and writers of this game because they really made each character stand out. Even if it's, like, something as a funny name like Narv to the actual backstory there there was a lot of care and attention put into each one. Yeah, we all love, we love Narv. What's the what's the uh the the lady who gives you the mental mock battles? What's her name? Hasabara? Yeah. That was the that was by far the weirdest name. Uh I don't know. Narv's pretty weird. Narvel's I'm Narv. Pretty. I'm Hasabara. Hasabara Casablanca. You know what character I ended up really liking that I hated at first was Lionel. Which one is he? He's the guy that, like, um, uh, he's the merchant guy. He has the little feather in his hat and the glasses. Oh, I legitimately never used that dude. I I hated him at first, because when you take him to battle, he's like, Lionel's gonna do this. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I didn't know he did that. I would have used him more. But then, like, you use him, and he's actually a really powerful character. And when he does that, it's actually really endearing. You get used to it, and you actually end up liking it. Yeah, his weapon is a whip. He made me uncomfortable. <laughs> Lionel's gonna beat your hiney. <laughs> he's just so sexual. <laughs> uh, I like hilarious. the little juggler, juggler girl who can throw items. She's all right. She's kind of one of the ones I wasn't I, a big I fan of. I don't think of. she's useful. I just like her conceptually. Mm. does that make sense yes yes yeah like i like the idea of her more than i like her but she's one of those characters who like if that class existed in say something like final fantasy tactics where you're like moving skills around it would be Mm. like i'm gonna level somebody up as the juggler and then just put that throw ability on a different class you know what i mean like yes when you're stuck as being just that it's not that useful (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the one thing I do like about like a fire emblem over this game is you can do like cross promotions. So if like you have a character who's just like a soldier with a sword and you're like, you know, I already have enough of those. What if I get like a flying knight situation? Mm-hmm. Then you can kind of cross promotion over into some of those given you how you meet certain requirements. I wish this game had a little bit more of that. Yeah, that, it was a thing like Final Fantasy Tactics ingrained in me was that idea of like I always remembered like the through line at the beginning with the main character of Final Fantasy Tactics Ramzo was always level him up real good in night, eventually get him to ninja so he can learn to wield two swords at once and then you're using two broad swords at the same time and doing ridiculous damage. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah. I just I wish that would have been something that was available, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, be, because, because of that, the characters feel very intentional and very fleshed out in their ability set. Um, it it is a different thing. Um, I also really like the more like Sukoden inspired. I'm going to upgrade this character's weapon rather than buy them new equipment, and just hmm. by the end, everybody has like a named weapon that has a special look to it. It's pretty cool. It's a cool idea. I very much like that as well. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing, too, is certain characters will have bits with each other. And so if you don't have all of the characters unlocked, you might be missing the max potential of a character because you don't have the other character in your party that has certain moments with them. So maybe, you know, for example, I wasn't the biggest fan of the juggler girl. Maybe I didn't have the right characters in my party for her to have the max character development. Sure. Which warrants a second playthrough. Like, I know there's one um, character, I was watching a playthrough of him. I, I, can't, um, I can't remember his name, but basically he's like a barrel. Of, I, I don't think I got this person either. Yeah, it's, I was watching a playthrough and his name is Decimal. I want to see who this guy is. Yeah. Holy shit, he's You're a barrel. I want this guy. What? Yeah. Okay, cool, when you said he's he? like a barrel, I, he's like a clockwork robot barrel. Yeah, exactly. His weapon is listed as fish stick. What does that mean? Um, so basically the way his his uh his weapon works is he like like it's target three HP or target five HP or, um, so he's a literal automaton. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. He literally, it's, he's such a cool little character. And imagine if like she has some kind of banter with that barrel, I could see that very much being a thing. It's also like slightly disappointing. I like the system where your convictions attract certain characters to you and all that. But I find myself like slightly disappointed that a character design, this novel and unique is not like that. I missed out on that. Right. Right. Exactly. I uh that's that is the one I think gripe I have about this game. One of the major ones is that obviously it wants you to play through it again, but there there's plenty of reason to and when I find more time to um I intend to finish that second playthrough because there's plenty to see there. Yeah, for sure. I mean like there are different routes that you can take and everything, but I wish, you know, like I didn't have to grind so much in order to get all the characters in one go because there there did is you, a lot of grinding for the convictions sure did you um use much of because he became a very 
big part of my rotation towards the end of the game uh archibald yeah i love uh, like he, he uh, that that character for people who haven't played the game is basically he's an like a veteran soldier like a, an old man who is like i think they call him like the bow of serenity or something at some point like yes he's this super famous archer and his gimmick is he can't move much but like he has super far range and super powerful bow attacks yeah, he he was he was one of the guys that I used throughout the whole game. I absolutely loved him. But then I kind of had this uh this unfortunate realization as I was playing the game and I don't know if you you noticed this either, but he reminded me of another character um from a game that we recently played, Ghost of Tsushima. You remember? Uh I don't remember the character's name, but I definitely know who you're talking about the the old man the the archer yeah yes yeah. yes and it was probably um, one of my favorite i feel bad because it feels like a million years ago that i can't remember that character's name because he was probably my favorite character in that game he was definitely one of my favorite characters in the game too he's not my favorite my favorite was norio but like yeah. um yeah he was another one of my favorites as well and I was like, I just, I guess I like old man archers. <laughs> it's a, it's a cool stereotype we're into is like elderly grizzled archer. Yep. Yep. I exactly. still need, this is completely unrelated to the podcast we're doing. I need to play that Ghost of Tsushima DLC. I do too. I do too. Um, yeah, but all right, let's get, yeah. we went a little bit tangential, but I think like that's I the nature the of talking about was, the characters. Was worth it. Yeah. We're trugging along in the story anyway faster than I thought we would. So let's well, let's stop to talk about the things we want to talk about. Yeah, let's let's talk about the things we have to talk about now. <sighs> Wario. <laughs> Always the fucking Wario with you. <clears throat> Frederica discovers that her people, the Rosellans, are being used as slave labor to harvest salt in Hyzant due to their ancestors possessing knowledge of sources of salt outside of Hyzant, which would have threatened Hyzant's salt monopoly. They also discover that the Grand Norzellian mine contains salt, which would allow whoever holds it to bypass Hyzant's salt monopoly. This is also why Dragon was assassinated. And it was it the is thing that... he was hiding, yeah. Like, like it was why yes. Dedel, he was hiding that from the people of Glenbrook to try and gain leverage in Afrost. And... But, like, it wasn't that. Like, he was he was going to hide it from literally everybody. Every... And he... To get... Go, to, yeah, to get himself power. Yeah, and he, that's that's why, like, this is something that I didn't mention earlier. Um, that he was actually assassinated by um, Gustadolf, Esfrost, his own people, because um, this information was found out. Yeah, and they also wanted to make it look like Hyzant did it to spurn a war. You mean Glenbrook. Glenbrook, right? rather, yeah, sorry. They wanted to make it look like Glenbrook did it to spurn a, a conflict between Glenbrook and Hyzant. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the one thing I will give Gustadolf credit for in all his mad mirings and whatnot is that he had a definite plan, and it plays out very well throughout two-thirds of the game to his benefit and he's a dracula he wants to suck the salt i hate that <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> asmr now tell me what happens Gone next wrong. in dune it is at this point that sarah noah's comrades suggest differing plans of action roland advocates allying 
with Hyzant to destroy Esfrost and avenge his family. Benedict recommends allying with Esfrost to conquer Hyzant and break its hold over Salt for good. Frederica implores him to help liberate the enslaved Rosellans and lead them back to their homeland of Centralia. Hats off to the writers of the game because the divergence here was the most difficult moment in the game for me. Each of the three characters has their own idea of how to proceed, and each one of them has some viability. Rich, which choice did you end up going with and why? I'm trying to remember this point. Um, do you want to walk me through what, what they were again? Because it feels so far from me now. So basically what happens is like right before here, um, this is a bunch of stuff we skipped over basically. So um, Sereno ends up joining the Saintly Seven and yes. it's it's around this time that basically Frederica and the party find out that the Rosellans have been enslaved. They um, go to rescue some of the Rosellans. You go to that Rosellan settlement in Glenbrook. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I remember all this. Okay. Okay, so you remember all that. So basically what ends up happening is if you go with Roland's plan, essentially, um excuse me, you ally with Hyzant. And so he becomes the Saintly Seven member as well. You um you guys go together and you destroy Esfrost, and then basically Hyzant controls the whole continent and basically there are these pockets of very rich people and very poor people. Um, if I remember correctly, sure. if you go, with, if you go with Benedict's plan, um, and I'm going to detail this a little bit more here in a bit. Um, I just kind of wanted to know with, with which decision you ended up going with, but Benedict, um, recommends them allying with S frost and um i can't we'll re, we'll read kind of what happens because like i said i detail it later i can't yeah. remember exactly what the, happens well, with that one. jogging my memory here i believe what ha- ended up happening to me was i wanted to go with i guess it would, would have been frederica's plan mm. and i ended up going with benedict's because of the scales uh yeah you didn't have much of a choice yeah yeah that's fair i um I was really, really stuck on this choice. I was, like, thinking about it for a while. And then I didn't know, like, you had mentioned this because you said you were going to do it on your second playthrough. I had no idea I did everything correct. Because when it came to it, I was able to make the golden choice right off the bat. Yeah. And the thing is, when you go to make the golden choice, what the golden choice is, which we'll kind of detail a little bit later, it's all three plans together. And the thing is, in order to do that, you have to meet certain requirements. You had to have made certain choices in the story. You have to have certain points in each conviction. There, there are certain things that you have to meet. But not only that, when you go to make the golden choice, what ends up happening is um, Sereno goes in a room and he's like, all right, I got to figure this out. How can I appeal to all three of these people that I care about very much and do all three of their plans at the same time? And you have a, like, he starts, like, talking to himself, and he's like, well, if I do this, if this happens, what choice do I make here? And you actually have to make the right choices in that moment, too. And if you do, then you are set down the golden path. Um, Interesting. You have, 
you have to make the exact choices because like there's a there, there are like three options per scenario he's like okay so if we go against gustadoff then this may happen but if this happens what do i do here what's the right choice here and you'll have three options that you have to choose from and you have to choose the right option and there are four or five of those scenarios that he kind of prompts to himself slash you the the player and if you get all those right then you get the golden path so that's the one i ended up getting and i'm not gonna lie to you rich i wasn't gonna mention it but i'm gonna tell you the truth I looked up the choices because I was I, like, I, I want to do the gold. I would have done the same exact thing. I I, I'm, I'm not here to shame you about that. Good. Good. I appreciate it. Anyone out there fact, looking to shame me? If you told me? me you hadn't, I would have called you a liar. Yeah. Well, you know what? I did it. Yeah. And I'm no. not ashamed. You shouldn't be. I got. I don't have time to fucking playing guessing games. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could have saved it before I made those choices to try and figure out That's, the right. But you're still cheesing it. That's just a waste of your time at that point. I need to know which conversation choice makes me fuck Garrus, and I need to know now because I haven't lived <laughs> in an hour. <laughs> I just want to fuck that barrel automaton. Come on. <laughs> I want to fuck Decimal. <laughs> I want to find out what's inside his weird clockwork body. What if it's just like a million crabs? Stick my dick they in just it. Pinch your dick. He's powered. He's rip- an automaton powered by crabs. <laughs> you put your dick in there. They just flay it, rip the skin off. He just comes out. He's like, "Hey, did you guys know Decibel's just a barrel full of crabs? We've been allied." <laughs> is that a with metaphor a, for anything? Just a barrel full of crabs. Is that a metaphor for anything? <laughs> no, it's not a metaphor for anything. It's a, just a barrel full of crustaceans. Yeah, mind your fucking business. Not everything is. Not everything has to be some fucking weird metaphor. You fucking, you fucking prick. Sometimes a barrel full of crabs is just a barrel full of crabs. You know. <laughs> what? Why, why, why do you need to attach meaning to literally everything? <laughs> it's <Come> insane. <laughs> Insanity. That's why my favorite book is Moby Dick. <laughs> no, no fruit foo metaphors. Just a story about a man who hates an animal. That's right, and will kill it. Ahab, the dick killer. <laughs> but uh so let's go through in detail like each choice that way um there's kind of some context here so if sarah noah chooses roland's plan frederica abandons the party working together with hyzant sarah noah and roland are able to conquer esfrost and kill gustadoff and dragon's father's farog unifying norzelia under hyzant's banner while salt is now plentiful and the people have plenty to eat, the Rosellans still remain enslaved, and any dissidents that speak out against Hyzant's state religion are ruthlessly suppressed. Frederica, beco- <laughs> Frederica becomes a traveling nun trying to spread the truth about Hyzant's corruption to anybody who would listen. So, Rich, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you like a, a little bit of a challenge here. What about this choice? do you actually like and what about it doesn't sit right with you i like the part where the salt is plentiful and then the part that doesn't sit right with me is everything else (laughs) (laughs) i think this is the one that i hate the most that's just a depressing ending like that's that's the nobody wins ending. well like the thing i don't like about this is first and foremost uh the rosellan people remain oppressed yeah obviously um it's terrible but i also slightly below that hate that svarog is killed because he ended he was one of my favorite characters in the game as well sure and um yeah i absolutely hated that but the third thing i really hate about this choice 
is that essentially you are propping up the religious nation of Hyzant. Yeah, and, and they're the most, like, fraudulent, like, the, there, there's moments in this game that we didn't get too far into where, like, you're peeling back the curtain on, like, the Saintly Seven, and they're all just kind of dicks out for themselves, which is not surprising, but, like, you get to really peel back the curtain on it. Yeah, so you learn that, like, this this quote-unquote religion by Hyzant was formed because um, they wanted to protect the salt. And basically, yeah. when they're praying to this goddess... It's it literally, and this this is hilarious. This is something you learn in one of the other ones that every time the main guy is talking to the goddess, it literally is a an automaton behind a curtain. It literally is like Wizard of Oz type shit. Pay um, no attention to the barrel behind the curtain. <laughs> the barrel of crabs it behind is actually the... <laughs> decimal. <laughs> Decimal's just fapping behind the curtain. Mind your business. You can't come back here. You can't come back here. <laughs> it's just a thousand crabs jerking off his barrel. <laughs> clack, 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 clack. Hey, what's all that noise back there? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. No, Mind your like fucking that. business. That's what. <laughs> I'm going I'm to use my fish stick against you. <laughs> uh, that's the best ending. Why didn't we write this yeah, game? That's we should we should we should make a game. Uh, yeah. But no, I I agree with you. I think the only thing to really like about that is that Well, actually there are two things I like about that. One is the salt is plentiful. In a way, I like that Frederica becomes a traveling nun because throughout this game, she kind of is at first against her will, she is like you got to go marry this guy. And she's she's always trying to do what's right. And then she gets there and she's like, yeah, he seems nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she she likes him. Well there are worse people to be forced into a marriage with. Right. But like as a traveling nun, even though it's like not even though her people are enslaved, she's at least operating on her own convictions. Sure. Which is a nice thing. Yeah. You know? But she shouldn't have to be in that situation. No, she shouldn't have to be. But at least, I guess, in a way that she's finally free to be her to own make person her own choices yes yes even if it's not under optimal conditions at least she has that chance now you know i get i'm like i'm trying to look for positives here I'm, there's I'm not forcing... a lot to be had let's move on to what is sure to be a sunnier outcome yeah so mac and dennis no i'm just kidding you said sunny. so they moved to the suburbs of philadelphia <laughs> and they have to sleep with an old man <laughs> who has a monster dong if sarah noah chooses benedict's plan roland abandons the party working together with s frost sarah noah and benedict are able to co conquer hyzant expose their religion as false and force their leader idor to flee into hiding with hyzant's salt monopoly broken and more sources of salt being discovered sarah noah leads norzelia into an age of peace and prosperity However, uncontrolled salt trade leads to a massive wealth disparity, leaving large swathes, swathes, swaths, swathes, swaths of swathalis, swaths of, pop, of the population to live in poverty, including the liberated Rosellans who are unable to take benefit of their newfound freedom. Roland joins with Idor to form a resistance movement, promising to help the impoverished masses Saranoa has ignored. So, 
Oh, you have cops in the background. So what the fuck is that noise? Same question, Rich. What about this choice do you like, and what about it doesn't sit right with you? I like the part uh, where they expose the puppet religion. Um, and I like that it seems to generally be a peaceful age, but I don't like the part where it turns into the United States of America. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like, there's not much I can add to that. Cause I mean, you pretty much hit all, all the best. They're parts. like massive wealth disparity. And I'm like, I'm from there. <laughs> that, hey, I, I resonate with I that. I live there. Much. Yeah. Um, I would say that. Yeah, it's, you know, like, it's kind of funny with the Rosellen thing is that. You know what? Fuck it, because this is this is what this game is talking about. I'm going to do it. Rosellen's remind me so much of a mixture or, you know, parallel case of Native Americans and African-Americans in the U.S. Yeah. Whereas, like, African-Americans were enslaved for, you know. Uh, I think there's also a, time a tick of US. like literal like you know way further back than this but like Jew- the plight of Jewish people to a point but uh, mm. gr- groups that are oppressed like that in large swaths it is clearly like you know an allegory for all of that sort of stuff yes yes but like even so much so that after African Americans were freed as slaves that they're still kept down by the systems in place they are kept at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder right and purposefully so and that's exactly what the rosellans deal with here purposely and systematically yeah yes yes systematic oppression welcome to the u.s of a and it's the same with uh native americans in the u.s too Mm -hmm. you know um so that's one of the things that i really don't like about this ending um and I hate that Roland uh, teams up with Idor. I hate that. He's just trying to think of a plan, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, the, the, the positives that you said are pretty much what I would say myself. Sure. So, If Sarah Noah chooses Frederica's pan, plan, pan uh, Benedict abandons the party. Sarah Noah and Frederica lead a raid into Hyzant instigating a slave revolt to free the Rosellans. Saranoa then leads the Rosellans to Norzelia's southern edge to enter Centralia, but Idor and his forces pursue them. Saranoa sacrifices himself to kill Idor and ensure that nobody can pursue the Rosellans. Frederica and Roland then lead the Rosellans to Centralia, where they are able to build a new home for themselves. Meanwhile, Saranoa's actions have caused a massive power vacuum in Norzelia as numerous civil wars break out among the three nations. Benedict decides to join Gustadoff's side on the condition that he be allowed to rule House Wolfort's lands as an independent region. And yet again, I ask of you, Rich, what about this choice do you like and what about it doesn't sit right with you? There's actually a lot I like about this ending in particular because I feel like it plays out more realistically in a lot of ways. Like, it feels like if they were writing an ending that was just going to be like a definitive ending, this could very easily be one of them because, like, it's not a happy ending, but it is sort of like a cut and run ending. Like, there's no other options. 
we can't like the Rosellan people can't be free here, so we're going to get them out of here. And then I honestly even like that turn for Benedict, like the idea of him, you know, in a sense, making the best of a bad situation, like weighing his options and doing everything he can to protect the place that was his home. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of death and it's just sort of a depressing ending. So in a general sense, that's kind of what I don't like about it. But that's also in part what I do like about it. Yeah, I I'm kind of conflicted about this. Um this ending for a few reasons. So I love the fact that the Rosellans escape. I do. Yeah. But it also feels like, and I know this isn't what the game is saying or even promoting, but the inevitability is that I'm sure um, minorities could speak to this much more than I could, that it takes them escaping the minorities in this game to escape, to find peace. And like, it Historically, makes want... that's often the truth, and even then, that piece is not always great. Exactly, and that's kind of fuck, fucked up when you think about the state of the U.S. or the state of the world in general. like Or the state of New Jersey, which is gross. <laughs> New Jersey is catching strays today for some reason. <laughs> fuck them! <laughs> yeah, that, that, that makes sense, you being from New York. But, um, no, I, I mean, I, I hate that. I hate that that is the thought process there. And that might be sometimes what, what is true. And it's like segregation should never be a thing. And people shouldn't feel like they have to flee to find happiness. You know, there should be more work being done towards that. So, I mean, like, yes, it, it like, I'm not disliking it because it's not realistic. I dislike it because it's so <laughs> realistic <laughs> in some ways. Um, and and it, it parallels, our history in a lot of ways, but I do like the fact that they are able to escape. I like that Saranoa sacrifices himself because that is some cool character development there. And that is very much in line with who the character is throughout the game. I and, like that. a and lot. And the proof that he's come to believe in that plight enough to sacrifice himself for it is, is telling. Yeah, absolutely. I like the fact that they go to a place called Centralia because that, lends itself to a possible sequel, right? Yeah. Um, which I'm always happy about. I don't like that Benedict turns heel. I don't like that at all. Well, I don't even see it as him turning heel is why. Like, because I, I don't look at it as him, like, betraying in the end. But when you, like, look at the terms he has, it feels, again, like he's like, listen, to survive, I need to throw in my lot with these guys, but I need to... Like, him wanting to rule Wolfort's lands as an independent state just tells me he's doing everything he can to preserve his home and to preserve the legacy of House Wolfort. That's fair. I think that's a fair analysis, yeah. I just don't like it because I like him so much as a character that he's, I don't he's like He's a the... very cool character. Yeah. So. All right. <clears throat> well, let's do the last path. And this is also going to be the um, mad dash to the end in a way, which is a little bit different because we have all these different pathways, but uh, this is the very last bit of story. So um, this, this is the golden route. If Saranoa performs certain actions and made certain choices throughout the game, he can instead devise a plan that satisfies all of his companions. Now, Rich, before I go any further, do you know this ending? I don't, but I want, I'm here. I want to hear it. I'm excited. I'm excited. Cause this is the one I went on. He overthrows and kills Gustadolf with the help of Dragon's father, Svarug, and repels 
Hyzant's attempt to destroy House Wolf Fort. So what ends up happening in this one, before I go any further, I want to explain this to you. You split your party into three separate groups. One is controlled by Benedict, and they stay at House Woolfort to repel the Hyzant army. Okay. You take one part of the party um, who is controlled by Frederica to go to the Hyzant nation to free the Rosellans. And then you control one part of the party who is controlled by Roland to free Svarog and the nation of Esfrost. So, okay. So like each that. party is split up. And basically the characters you have amassed up this point you have to split into the three groups because you can only use those characters per fight so for example if i including the the main characters that you get at the very beginning of the game let's say i got 23 21 or 23 characters out of the full 30 roster i have to split those up as evenly as i can between the three parties because there's no crossover so if i take six characters with roland those six are only in Roland's party. They cannot yeah. roll over to the other party, essentially. Yeah. Which is why, like, part that's part of the reason why it took so long for me to finish this game is because I had characters I never used, and I was like, shit, they're level five. I got to get them all the way up to, like, level 35. This is like a goddamn Sakodin finale. But I, I appreciated it that much more um, as I got to use all the characters. But anyways. No, it, it, it's... <clears throat> It um it contributes to the scale of like an effort like this, which I think is interesting. Exactly, exactly. So he then raids Hyzant and he kills Idor and exposes the truth about the religion, causing Minister Lila, one of the saintly seven, to defect to his side. Now, Rich, I don't want to spoil the entire fight of killing Idor during this path. If you if you want to watch it, I would advise you do, or if you want to experience it for yourself. But here's what I will say about it. What's the joke you always make about JRPGs? Uh, kill God. And that's what this that's what this one is. Naturally. That's all I'll say. Saranoa then lays the groundwork for all three nations under Roland, Svarag, and Lila to join together in a union of independent regions with equal representation. Saranoa ends up revealing to Roland that he is the true successor, but he abdicates his throne to Roland because he believes he will serve the nation of Glenbrook better. <clears throat> the Rosellans are freed from slavery and salt is distributed equally, ushering in an unprecedented golden age of peace. In order to mark this new age, Saranoa and Frederica marry with all of their friends and comrades in attendance so one thing i wanted to note here before we get into the final questions is that we had talked a little bit earlier at the very beginning of the podcast about how color and how art direction pays paves the way for a lot of uh, foreshadowing and uh thematic elements and the reason why um the Rosellans' hair is pink is because when they find the salt in the Grand Norzellian mine, they find that the salt there looks like pink Himalayan salt, actually, mm -hmm. which is, again, foreshadowing and thematic elements there. I forgot to mention that earlier as we started talking about the Rosellans, so I wanted to mention it here. I, like, you know, I do remember that. It's, it's funny. I was overlooking not thinking about that at all, but yeah, they, they are big old pink salt rocks. Yeah, yeah, so that's important to note there. But 
Rich, you mentioned to me privately that you didn't have the option to take this golden route during your first playthrough. So, I know you're playing it a little bit now, but do you plan to play the game again to go down this route? And if so, why does it appeal to you? Um, Because I'm mentally ill. Uh, and yes, I do. Um, I don't know. Games like this, this game in particular has some systems in place that make it very rewarding to play it through more than once. And I do want to see a lot of that stuff for myself. Hmm. The, the, the thing I like is I like the fact that obviously there's a happy ending with the golden route and it's, it takes a lot of work to get to that golden route. Sure. So I appreciated it that much more. But there's a part of me after doing the golden route, that's after that is when I read what happens with the other routes that I kind of was like, man, I wish I would have taken one of those other ones because it feels that it makes you feel like the choices you made are like no one, like someone's not going to be happy. And I think that's more realistic. You can't have it all. Yeah. You need to, you need to compromise and someone is going to get burned for it. Yes. uh, That's more realistic, but I also to play devil's advocate to my own point, I think that people will often look to like saying there is no compromise. Someone's always going to be hurt. And I think the golden route is important because I think that does speak to the fact that we, we as people will often choose the choice that we think of in the moment will hurt the least amount of people instead of really sitting down, analyzing it and figuring out what is the best choice for what everyone is actually involved? Best, yeah, in the, the long term for everyone. Right, right, and there is there is a possible future where everybody gets close as close to what they want as possible. Not if and I have anything to say about it. <laughs> it's just like that. That route is rarely taken, and I wish that we we as a society and as people could choose that more, and we all thought about our actions a little bit more. That way we all prosper. And I think that is the true beauty of that golden route. Obviously, I mean, that is that is the most optimistic way of thinking about it. And I understand that that's probably not the most realistic way. And I um, I get that. But we can still hope, you know. It's a nice thought. Mm. So, Rich, my biggest criticism of the game while I was playing was how long it took for the story to pick up. Because of how much political intrigue and groundwork the game needed to lay early on, it almost feels like a trudge to get out of the exposition. But once the ball gets rolling, the story stays interesting for the rest of the game. Do you think it's a feature of the genre of storytelling, or it's something that this particular game suffered from? Um, I don't necessarily know if it's like, particular to this genre of storytelling it's just stories like this in particular have a tough time with this because it is a dense story with a very developed world and it takes a while to get you the information you need to get the ball rolling and because of that it has a very slow start and i don't want to say there isn't a way to do it better because i'm sure there is but I feel like this game is worth that initial investment because once things start clicking, it's all really gripping. Mm. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was, I was not sure I was going to like this game, which was really weird because I love strategy games, obviously, and I love tactics games. That I really, I was like, I really want to like this game. But I really want to. Triangles. Wanna... I, I, I love. It's like triangles. your favorite shape. 
Pretty much. Mine's a penis. Uh, cool. Cool, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, no judgment. But, um, yeah, I just, like, it took me, like, ten hours to get into this story to, like, really like it. And when I finally got into it, I was like, man, this is a damn good story. But I don't think that this is, to be honest with you, I don't think it's a feature of the genre of storytelling. Because I think about some of the other tactics games I've played that have had a little bit more story. And I've gotten into them fairly quickly if the story is intriguing enough, um, I would say. But this game, unfortunately, just took a while to get into. And I think it's, I think it's more of like the political intrigue type of genre than anything. More than like the tactics genre, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I remember, like, Game of Thrones was kind of the same way for me as well, is, like, when they got into the more political intrigue at the beginning of the the book or the TV show. Um, I've read the book and the first book, I should say, and I've watched, obviously, all the show, that that stuff kind of bogged me down at first, but then once it gets the ball rolling, I really get into it. I think there's definitely better ways to tease it out, and sometimes framing devices help with that. Like, I always point to... Final Fantasy Tactics, which is one of my favorite games of all time, is a story that is a lot about political intrigue. But the way they hook you immediately in that game is by flashing back at the start of the game. So they start the main character in a place that is very different from what they then flash back to. And a lot it has a lot of you going, wait, how the fuck did we get there? And like it kind of grips you with that from the start, that there's going to be this major status quo change very early on. Mm, that's a really good point. I think the other thing to note, too, is that um, I think for some people that whole, like, the web of lies being sown and the political intrigue, you know, just creeping in, that does appeal to a lot of people. And I think for me, I'm I'm the type of guy that I, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, I like a little bit of it. But mm. when it just keeps going on and on going on and the webs are being woven, I, I start to get bored. I'm like, okay. I, I, I like I it. I get it. You're a, a deceitful fuck and you're a deceitful fuck and you're a deceitful fuck. I get the... I'm a I get deceitful the, fuck. You're a deceitful yeah. fuck. We're all deceitful fucks. Oh, I love that version of Good Burger. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's Keenan. But... Kel. I... Yeah. It, like, it's not the biggest appealing aspect of the game to me but once once they get those those parts fleshed out like in in the story and once things start happening yes then i'm and the ball starts getting rolling on how this plays out that's when i start to like it some people like to see the chess moves three or four turns in advance i like to see the queen being taken fair enough yeah so now rich this is the last question we ask here. You know it. Um, other people who have listened to our shows before know it. It is the show or the question we always ask ourselves at the end of these shows. Most of the time we know the answer, but sometimes we like to just double check with ourselves because that's how we roll. Rich, would you recommend this game? And in a few short sentences, why or why not? Uh, yeah, for people who like these sort of older school tactic games, Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre. Um, there is a lot to like here. 
Hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of a slow burn at the start, but if you're willing to power through it and stick with it a little bit, I think it 150% pays off. Okay. 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 Um, I, I would recommend this game. Absolutely. If you are into tactics games, first and foremost, and second, uh, if you're into a long developing story, obviously sometimes I'm, I'm a little too impatient with that. And I almost was too impatient here when the game really gets the ball rolling. It is so good. Um, I can't recommend it enough. It was a lot of fun. I love how the game forces you to use all the various characters and they're all very interesting and well written. So the, the, like there's, there's so much to love about this game. Absolutely recommend you if you have some downtime and you want to just spend a lot of time with the game to pick this game up. So yeah. Do you have any final thoughts, Rich, before we uh, cap this one off? Um, I'm going to be thinking about that robot barrel for a while. <laughs> I definitely want to play the game again to get that character because it, it's a it's a really cool character. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean that's that's it. That's it, man. We did it. Um, been wanting to do this cat for a while, and I'm glad that finally I finished the game so we could do it. Feels nice. Shocker, bro. <laughs> Shits, bruh. Shit. Shits, bruh. Shits, bruh. Well, I want to say thank you, Rich, for being here. Uh, I want to thank you to say thank you to you, the listener, and I want to say thank you to um, the people who created this wonderful game. I really enjoyed talking about it and playing it. Um, but yeah, that'll do it. So um, if you want more content from us, head over to swordchomp.com where you can check out additional podcasts, merch, access to some articles, and a Patreon. All of that good stuff there. Um, head over there to check it out. But that's going to wrap it up for this show. So thank you to everyone and be on the lookout for the next episode of Chomping After Dark. Take care. Bye. Narve.